Welcome to Inside Sponsorship, the show that provides sponsorship professionals with advice, insights and news so they can maximise their commercial programmes and achieve best practice. Normally, most episodes take you inside the sponsorship and partnership programs of an organisation. Don't worry, this one will as well. However, while a lot of planning and preparation go into an episode, sometimes, every now and again, the episode doesn't exactly pan out like I think it will. While we'll go inside the Miami Heat this episode, what will become clear to you is just how infectious and inspiring our guest is, Jessica Guymeyer. Whether it is driving overnight to take an intern opportunity, to rocking up and introducing herself to powerful people in the industry at conferences, to pushing herself to take on study, even during COVID, she is certainly someone who lives and breathes the heat culture, which is a discussion point later in the show. Hi, I'm Daniel Oyston, host of Inside Sponsorship, and you're listening to episode 123, brought to you by Core Software. It's great to have you listening to another episode Whatever your connection is with sponsorship, whatever you're working on, whatever side of the fence you work on, or wherever you are in the world, I hope all is well with you. But a sad episode this time around is I don't have any shout-outs to give. So come on, you know the drill. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, say hi, let me know what you're up to, what you're working on, where you are. You know it makes me happy to hear from you, the listeners, so please help me out. So back to our guest, and for this episode, as I said, it's Jessica Guymeyer, Senior Manager, Corporate Partnership Marketing at Miami Heat. Now, Jessica pursued her undergraduate degree in sport management from Florida State University, which had a strong focus on business marketing and law. She also has a graduate certificate in business and sport law from Villanova University's Charles Widger School of Law. Jessica received her Master of Business Administration from the Quantic School of Business and Technology. And if that wasn't enough, she's currently pursuing a graduate certificate in organisational leadership from Northwestern University. That is some education resume. While Jessica has never let an opportunity pass her by, which has created a long list of organisations that she spent time at early on in her career, that has set her up for great roles and success at places like Rock Nation, where she worked as a coordinator, sports brand activation. Also, the Denver Broncos as a coordinator, partnership activation. At University of Miami, Miller School of Medicine as the manager, marketing brand activation. And now, of course, at the Miami Heat, where she is senior manager, corporate partnership marketing. Here's Jessica. Jessica, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome. We always start with a few icebreaker questions just to ease into it, to have a little bit of fun. And it's a little bit of a way for people to get to know you before we start to get into the serious stuff. Your first icebreaker question is, what was your first ever job? Well, Daniel, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's an absolute pleasure. So such a fun icebreaker question. So my dad actually got me a car at 16 years old. I was in high school and told me, you know, you can get a car and you can get a job or let's see what happens. And we ended up uh, getting a little car for me and I got a job at a yogurt, like a frozen yogurt store. And I worked there all through high school and made some good money and some really good friends. And, you know, you're, you're in high school, but it really kind of taught me some really fun, uh, fundamental, I guess, <laughs> learnings. So that was really fun as a frozen yogurt shop. It's a fun, fun first job for a 16 year old. Did it turn you off frozen yogurt or do you still love it? I am so sick of it. It's not even funny. (laughs) Yeah, but it was fun. It was one of the ones that you had to like self-serve. And so I will say I got really good at like the swirl, doing the swirl. It's awesome. But besides that, yeah, I'm kind of sick of it now. 
Your second icebreaker question is, and, and this one's making its debut on the show. I've never asked this one before, so I'm not sure how it's going to go. What is a fictional family that you would love to be a member of and why? Family Guy is my favorite show of all time. Seth MacFarlane is a genius. Um, and it's kind of like one of my secrets that I'm not so proud of because I know the show can be like mildly inappropriate, but it's so funny. I love Seth MacFarlane. I think he has so many different facets to him and his personality. And so Family Guy would absolutely love to be in Family Guy. I'd be best friends with Brian and it would be great. Very good. Now, Jessica, despite spending some time in a frozen yogurt shop when you're in high school, when you're in high school, you were very clear on wanting to go into sports medicine, you've told me. So how did you end up in sports management, not sports medicine, and ultimately sponsorship activation specifically as a role? My love for sports did start in high school. I played a little bit of soccer growing up, but I became really in love and enthralled with sports medicine and athletic training. When I went and got accepted to Florida State, I I noticed that my mind was kind of going towards the business side. And we had a sports management school, which is basically the business side of sports. And when I was able to get into that program and really start learning what it was all about, I realized that although I loved the medicine side and, and the science side behind it, Um, my strengths kind of lied on the business side and the management side of sports. So I was able to go into that um, through my internships, through my opportunities and and exposures. I was able to touch on that sponsorship activation. And I know that we'll talk about that a little bit further, but um, I was able to intern with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Washington Redskins at the time, which now the Washington Commanders, I think the name is going to change again. Um, But that was kind of where I got my first peek into all the different categories, all the different departments of sports, especially NFL, being in in professional American football. And that was where I got my first taste of sponsorship and really loved that client service, client management side. You just touched on it then, some of those internships that you held. Looking at your LinkedIn profile, it's clear that you've had some amazing opportunities. Run us through your career progression leading up to where you are now at the Heat. I opened up with my first job out of college at Rock Nation and Rock Nation Sports. It's Jay-Z's entertainment firm out of New York City. And I was under Michael Yormark at the time. So I was a coordinator of sports brain activation. I then moved over to the Denver Broncos. I was there as their coordinator of partnership marketing for three seasons. And then I moved over to University of Miami Health, which kind of sounds like it's all over the place. But when I really kind of take a step back, I have agency experience, the NFL side, which is our sports team side, and then client side as well. So when I came here to the Heat, I was able to kind of give that trifecta of experience from working on agency, team, and client side. You said then when you moved to the Heat that you could bring a trifecta of experience. Talk us through maybe one important thing or or, or lesson that you learned from each of those roles leading up to the one that you've got now at the Heat. With Rock Nation being in sports brand activation, I was really able to, that was the kickoff of my career. And so I was really able to learn um, managing, I manage both athletes and artists. So I would go on tour, um, you know, now I could say I went on tour with Demi Lovato. And so I was able to go and see the partnerships that Demi Lovato or Nick Jonas had on tour and make sure that those relationships were correct, make sure that the brand was getting the exposure that they needed, make sure that the sponsorship was really getting that ROI that they were looking for. When I moved over to the team side, 
I was now able to manage a portfolio of clients. So I had clients at the Denver Broncos ranging from a thousand dollar, you know, or a hundred thousand dollar mom and pop deal to from local deals to million plus partnerships. And as a coordinator, looking back, that was wonderful exposure. They really trusted me to manage some of their big partnerships. I actually had my hands in naming rights as well during my time at the Denver Broncos. And I think that having a portfolio of clients, learning the clients, learning what their brands uh, initiatives are, it was similar to Rock Nation, but from a different perspective. And then going to the University of Miami Health side, I now manage the relationships from the client side with all the different sports teams. So I managed our Miami Dolphins relationship. I managed the Miami Marlins relationship, Florida Panthers, so on and so forth. So I was able to now see what our brand guidelines were, right, from the University of Miami side out to the teams, making sure that our brand is getting the correct exposure. So it was kind of all these different um, views, all these different ways to look at a brand and their initiatives and their goals and objectives for whether it was a season or in general, and kind of be able to bring that all to the heat, moving back to the team side, managing some of our, our um, 10 of our highest clients. Your first full-time job, as we've heard a couple of times there, was with Rock Nation. But let's just, it's a little bit unusual or unorthodox, I suppose, but let's just jump back a little bit to those internships, because it always interests me here in Australia, because I know that internships are a big thing in North America. And I say big because while they do happen, they aren't really that prevalent in other parts of the world, particularly in the sports industry. Often they are seen as a way into the industry. Whenever I speak to North American guests, they're always big about internships and learning and doing lots of jobs and getting lots of experience and it'll really set you up. And it feels like that's that's a fair comment. So tell us about your internships in a, a little bit more depth and ultimately how you think you benefited from them. You're absolutely right. Internships are huge, especially in the sports industry. And I think part of that stems from education is extremely important, but in the sports industry and, and in sponsorship and networking, right? It is who you know. And I think that it plays a role with both. So internships in the sports industry is huge. It gives you your foot in the door. It gives you that experience to see if this is really what you want to do. And you're not supposed to work in sports if you're a fan. I don't know if you've heard that saying before, but it's so true because it, you know, you're not getting to sit and watch the games and enjoy. You are having to work. You are having to kind of do your job during these sporting events, during those concerts, during whatever it is that that you're working. So I think um, for in, from an internship perspective, and this is a, a fun story for me to tell. Anytime I go back and talk to students or I talk to you know colleagues, this is a really big one. So my first ever internship was with Tony Villani at XPE. It's a um, NFL combine training facility down in Boca. And at Florida State, I was um, helping out. I was interning <laughs> with our recruiting department. And our quarterback at the time, EJ Manuel, was, had just declared that he was going to go to the draft that year. It was 2012, I believe. And I went up to him and we were talking, congratulating him. And I said, like, where are you going to, where are you going to train? And he said that he was going to an NFL combine training facility down in Boca. And I had no internships for the upcoming summer. I was still kind of too young to apply to anything big. And it's that chicken before the egg cycle where you need an internship. You need work experience to get a job. And you need a job to get work experience. So I cold called Tony Villani, um, introduced myself, said that I was a freshman, I'd been a sophomore, pretty sure I was still a freshman um, at Florida State Sport Management Department, and I would love to become an intern. And I mean, he himself answered and said, like, 
I would love to have you. Let's see how we can figure this out. Long story long, um, he couldn't give me credit because he wasn't accredited as an internship, you know, place of work. He couldn't pay me because he was still kind of a startup at that time. And I said, I said, I just want the experience. I just want the exposure. You don't need to pay me. I don't need to get credit. All I want is to be able to gain this experience and watch these guys go to the combine, train for the combine. And I really think looking back, this was that first step of kind of doing whatever it took to get your foot in the door, to break into the industry. And I would leave at midnight from Tallahassee and I would drive seven hours to Boca. It's about a seven hour drive to Miami. So I would leave overnight around 11 or midnight because they would start around 6.37 in the morning. And so I would drive after class overnight, get down, check into my hotel, and I would stay with him for the weekend. Um, I would stay in a hotel for the weekend and then I would go train with them. And as a reward after the internship, he did fly me to Indianapolis and I was able to see these guys in the NFL combine training and watch all their hard work pay off. And I think, you know, it really wasn't about spring breaks and summers and, and it's a very, uh, kind of rat race mentality. Unfortunately, I would say in the, in, in the U S and or in North America about internships, but the tenacity that, that I had for this internship, doing whatever it took, allowed me to continue, get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers internship the following summer, get the Washington Redskins internship the following summer. And after that, be able to kind of have a full-time job right out of college. So that really started it all. Those were the seeds that I planted very early on. I love that tenacity. I I love that just going to get it done type attitude. I love the story about just cold calling and I know that you just you're not scared I love how you just put yourself out there when we've been chatting in the past you told me a story about how you were at a conference once and you saw the opportunity to speak to somebody really important and influential and so you just put yourself out there again you just rolled up to him at the conference just asked for five minutes of his time tell us about that moment what the outcome was and why you think it's it's important to be brave like that Oh my gosh, Daniel, when I went to the Florida State Sport Management Conference and I heard that Michael Yormark was going to be speaking, I just I just knew. I knew that I was going to get to meet this very influential man. Um, so Michael's twin with Brett Yormark as well. They both kind of, I would say at the time, ran New York City. Um, Brett Yormark was with the Brooklyn Nets and Michael Yormark ran Rock Nation Sports. And so I remember him coming and I remember saying, I need to talk to him somehow. And so Michael was outside before going on stage. And I remember going up to him and saying, you know, Mr. Yormark, hi, my name is Jessica. I, I don't want to bother. Um, if I could just have five minutes of your time, I just want to introduce myself. And thank you so much for being here. And and very nice man, <laughs> once you get to know him, but was like, you know, we I have five minutes. I have five minutes. I, I need to prepare. Um, always prepared for his speeches. And so those five minutes ended up turning into 45 minutes. Um, so I got, I'm sorry, Michael, he didn't end up getting to um, kind of practice for his talk. But those 45 minutes completely changed my life, Daniel. I was able to have a job. When we were done talking, Michael said, I will have a job for you when you graduate. He said, you are different you have something special. You just have it. And he said, I will have a job waiting for you when you graduate. And he went on stage and he had his amazing talk as always. And I sat at the first table and I kept eye contact and answered all the questions. And I was, I was that girl that was making sure I was shaking the hands and, and I was in the room and he held up his end of the, of the conversation. He held up what he promised me 
And at graduation, I had an entry level role at Rock Nation. And like I said, that that really started my career and having someone that believed in you, having someone that spoke life into you, having someone that was appreciative and intentional, um, that really, really paid off. And I think that that conversation, just asking for five minutes of his time, changed the trajectory of my life and my career. It's a great story. And I, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about that because we do have a lot of well, a reasonable amount of students at university and college who listen to the podcast who ultimately have to go and work in the sports industry. And they're always sending me messages and asking me questions. And I'm only one person. So it's great that you can share those experiences and hopefully inspire them to put themselves out there as well. We fast forward, you're at the heat now. So as a little bit of a scene setter, I know that there is a saying or a mindset of heat culture. Jess, all organizations have culture, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. The Heat obviously pride themselves on their culture. So explain to us what Heat culture is and how you see it playing out or or coming to life day-to-day in the organization. We have a playbook. And I would say before I even start on that, the Heat really cultivate a culture of inclusiveness, intentionality. I think that those are the two biggest things that my three years here so far the Heat have really cultivated a culture of intentionality and inclusiveness. Every single year on our badge, we get what's called a playbook. And this playbook is the rules that we live by for that season, for that year. Um, So for example, I'm going to read one. Um, Be prepared, be present, and participate courageously. Say what needs to be said and ask what needs to be asked. Continuously challenge success, push ourselves to change, innovate, and evolve and things like that. So I think that we have this incredible playbook that we all live by. It really kind of brings us together as a Heat family and just really support each other. There's so many different departments, but we all work really well together. And that is one thing about corporate partnerships or our our corporate development side that I love is being able to have those interdepartmental relationships, being able to work closely with marketing, work with finance, work with legal, work with basketball operations. I mean, we have our hands in everything because our clients have different goals and objectives that we need to align with internally. But above all else, heat comes first. Because if we're not aligned from a company standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, from a cultural standpoint, we can't execute for our staff. We can't execute for our clients effectively. So that is something that I think we're all aligned on and we all are on the same page on. And I'm very, very proud. And I can say that from all the organizations that I've worked with, the Heat has nailed the culture. The Heat really has nailed being able to work together to effectively you know, execute what we need to do. As I mentioned in the introduction, you're now Senior Manager, Corporate Partnership Marketing at The Heat. Talk us through, give us a rundown of what your sponsorship portfolio looks like and who's in it. So my portfolio ranges with 10 of our top tier clients. I will say transparently, we kind of move things around at the end of every year, depending if somebody moves or we have some shift in just responsibilities. My portfolio can range. So right now I manage our Carnival Cruise Line. That is um, a partnership that we have. It's been around for many, many years. Very happy to handle Carnival Cruise Line. Corona, which is Constellation Brands Umbrella, Kaseya, our new official naming rights partnership, um, official IT solutions of the Miami Heat. I have Arkea Partnership, State Farm, 
Pepsi, NRG, which is um, our energy company based out of Texas. Actually, we've had that relationship for quite some time. So lots of amazing clients. I have a wonderful portfolio, great relationships with all of them. And it's been really interesting. It's been a fun challenge to have these different clientele because they're in so many different categories. Some of them have exclusivity. And so it's interesting to be able to work with them on their different goals and objectives. A lot of them already are companies that have brands that are affiliated in the community already and already have a a standing. Everybody knows Carnival Cruise Line, right? Everybody knows Kia. And I think being able to take those and work through their brand objectives moving forward on how are we going to organically integrate their brand with the Miami Heat? How can the Miami Heat help Kia? How can using our marks and logos help Carnival Cruise Line? And that's my job. That's part of my job of the strategy part of it as well. It's a great segue because you mentioned earlier that it's great to have relationships with lots of different parts of the business because your partners have lots of varying brand objectives and goals. So just generally speaking, what sort of goals and objectives or outcomes would you say that the Heat are really well positioned to help potential and existing partners achieve through sponsorship? The Miami Heat social pages are actually very internationally integrated. So I would say we are 100% an international brand. Um, Only 10% or less is actually in the US of our followers on social media, which is a crazy number. I made sure I fact checked that before I said that on here. It's crazy. We are huge in other countries, obviously huge in the US as well, but only 10% or less are actually in the US. So I think we're a really well-rounded brand. We're super successful. We're pioneering. We were one of the first teams to start our TikTok channel and have a really successful time growing that. Um, So I think our partners look to us to be pioneers in the industry, to kind of make sure that we can affiliate with all the new different things that we are bringing to the community, especially in Miami, but also from international standpoint or a national standpoint as well. What do you think is the most important thing for successfully activating a sponsorship? Now, I'm just going to jump in just quick here. I'm not going to let you just say relationships. We're going to make it a little bit harder. You're not allowed to just say, oh, the most important thing, uh, relationships. So what do you think is the most important thing for successfully activating a sponsorship? That's difficult because it truly is relationships. But I would say knowing your assets. I would say knowing what you can and can't do and having the flexibility to activate that. So in a sponsorship, as I've mentioned you know, earlier, you're taking a brand, you're seeing what their KPIs are, what their initiatives are, and you are activating that in the community. So that is sponsorship and activation. I would just say knowing what you can and can't do with that brand. Once you kind of know what that brand wants and what they're looking for, being able to effectively activate that. So knowing your assets, knowing what you can and can't do, and having the flexibility to work with your team to do that. Jessica, what's an activation you've been particularly proud to have worked on? That can either be at the heat or it can be elsewhere. What's one that you're particularly proud of having worked on? When I came on board in 2021, we were bringing in our, our our new naming rights, the first one after American Airlines. And, you know, I would say at the time, FTX, I was very proud to bring that on. Obviously, it didn't end the way we would have liked it to. But I will say that bringing that on and activating that was our first naming rights in over 20 years, you know, after American. American's still an amazing partner, no longer a naming rights. So being able to move off of that and activate and bring FTX alive and have that for, you know, the year and a half that we did. I was very, very proud of that. Um, Obviously, now moving on to Kaseya, having Kaseya Center be our official naming rights partner, managing that partnership. 
um, away from the heat, kind of what I used to work on the Made in America Music Festival with Rock Nation um, that takes place in Philadelphia. It was the coolest activation that I had probably worked on, especially being right out of college. You are working together with artists to literally put on a music festival. And it just was such an amazing um, activation to work on with my colleagues to kind of see everything come to life and just seeing the new artists in the community and the up and coming artists as well and watching all the fans have such a good time. So that was something from start to finish that I could say I was really proud to work on. It's a really fun time. Very good. Sounds like a lot of fun too, that one. Let's say you've signed a new sponsor. What does your onboarding process look like? Obviously, it's important that the relationship starts well, you've got momentum. How do you ensure that? One of the things I'm really proud of that I brought here to the Heat is our partnership binder. So basically, once um, when I first got to the Heat, we really didn't have a process of how to onboard a, a new partner. We obviously made sure that they were taken care of and everything was working right. But from a flow, from a uh, consistency standpoint across the board to stay consistent within our department, we didn't really have anything. So I was able to bring in a partnership binder, which was something that I took from my time in Denver um, with the Broncos. And it's basically a sheet that we, I call it an Excel on steroids. And we have every single contractual asset in there, um, deadlines, timelines, um, specs. And we have this partnership binder. And when we go um, meet our client for the first time, we kind of show them this partnership binder, walk them through the contractual assets. And every time we have, whether it's a biweekly call or a touch point, we bring up this binder and we're both on the same page. It really allows the client to have a eagle eye view on everything going on, but also see timelines and deadlines and things that they'll need to do. Hey, this is coming up. You know, we need to start looking at this or here's when the next invoices do. So it's a really kind of centralized hub. Um, and that's really how we kick things off. Obviously we take them out to eat and we have a really good time celebrating the new partnership, but when it's time to really get down and get to work, um, we have a partner, we're working on a partnership portal as well, where we can have all of our marks and our logos, um, where our partners can go in, kind of get everything that they'll need to get started. And then our partnership binder. So signing that new partner, that's what that onboarding process looks like. You get assigned a activation rep. So let's say it's me, we'll have our kickoff call. We'll do that, go through all the partnership assets, partnership binder, partnership hub, and make sure that they're ready to go. They know all things heat. And then of course, you know, we got to get them a gift bag, little signed jersey, things like that. <laughs> Welcome them to the family. A well-oiled process. So let's talk about a recent sponsor, a recent partner. Can you talk us through one of your newest in terms of why they came on board, what they're looking and or wanting to achieve, and, and what sort of properties their partnership includes to help them achieve their goals? Well, let's take Kaseya as our newest sponsor, right? Because they, they really are one of our newest partners. Um, and Kaseya being the naming rights is going to be one of our biggest. So Kaseya, now the Kaseya Center, um, so Kaseya as a partnership as a whole, they came on board to really bring their name to fruition in the Miami area. So like I mentioned, their official IT solutions, they have network engineering, IT security, they are the hub of everything um, IT. So what they are looking to achieve is really bring their brand to the forefront. And by aligning with the Miami Heat, now you have our whole fan base, you're able to use our marks and logos in the community and really come up, whether it's, you know, having a player appearance, go to Kaseya and really help their internal colleagues feel included, whether it's reward, right? Merchandise. So there's things that they're going to do to build their interdepartmental 
relationships and and build their their colleagues up and then externally in the community they're really big on veterans they're really big on animal activism and animal rights so it's kind of crazy having an IT company have these brand guidelines and initiatives but that's what they've shared and so being able to take that and really say hey let me go back to our community department let me go back to that and see what are we doing in the community what kind of animal initiatives or veterans initiatives or homelessness initiatives are we doing that we can work on to really have Kaseya, and that's just one partnership, but really have Kaseya achieve what they want to achieve and hit their sponsorship goals. Let's talk about data. What, what sort of role does data play when you're activating sponsorships? How does it help you make decisions and, and how do you use it in the relationship side of the sponsorship? Data analytics really is the team behind the team. I love using that turn of phrase for them because they are always behind the scenes helping us, working with us. We work so closely with our data analytics team. Um, We actually have an entire analytics team in-house. They're called 601 Analytics. So we use a lot of programs like Power BI. We do work with Nielsen quite um, often to give us kind of our TV valuation ads, things like that. But 601 Analytics, Power BI, Nielsen, and Core are all of our um, kind of tools that we use on the back end of that. I mean, I wish that I was better versed. I'm getting better at our data analytics side, but it really are the team behind the team. Super grateful to have them. Um, And those are kind of some of the programs that we use. It's okay, Jessica, because some of us on this call are old enough to remember when we didn't have access to data. (laughs) It's crazy. You know, I'm really able, I love being able to go in, let's take Nielsen, for example, and go in on the back end and see a sponsorship's TV valuation for one specific digital asset. It's so cool to be able to see or our you know, TV exposure, where exactly did you see this ad for this amount of time in this country? It's really cool to be able to see that because the more in-depth data that we can provide our client, you know, the more in-depth that we can kind of create and cultivate like our next guideline for the following season or, hey, look at the other countries that we're touching. Can we do something there? Or this ad is performing really well. Maybe we do something else with that. So um, that is absolutely huge and doing nothing but growing. And all of those tools really help us get there. You mentioned before the old saying that you shouldn't work in sports if you're a fan, because as you said, you don't get to watch much of the games happening on game day. Activation and managing sponsors is always hectic on game days. What does a typical game day look like for you? It is absolutely crazy, you know, especially if it's like at the beginning of the season when everyone's just happy to be back in basketball or right now with us being in white hot playoffs, just absolutely insanely busy, but it's all good things. I literally walk in saying I'm living the dream because you are in a arena or a a center filled with fans that are just cheering for the same goal. And there is something really, really special about being in an empty stadium or arena. I will say if you just walk center court or center field and being laying there or standing there and just being in the dead silence. But there's also something really, really special about being in an arena absolutely filled with the screaming fans that are just all wanting to win. And I don't know why I've just always been so drawn to that feeling. Um, and it's really, really special. And so on a game day, I will come into work typically well, we're, we're nine to five Monday through Friday plus games, which could be nights and weekends. Right. So it's really, um, a time consuming job on top of everything else. 
But on a typical game day, as let's say tip-offs at 7.30, um, doors will open a couple hours early. If you have VIP experiences with your clients, you'll be working as early as two hours prior to tip-off. And, you know, for sponsorships, game day is kind of the show where we can show everything we've worked so hard for. So you are running around, but you are with your client and you're showing them their assets being executed or you are having a VIP game day activation or you're meeting a player, or their kid is able to come and you can bring them on the court. So everything that you've worked so hard for over the season, the game is the execution portion of that. And it's so different from football because football, you have 10 games, right? Because you're home 10, even less because two of them are preseason. So you actually have eight games to get it right. So the pressure in American football is so much heavier. I would say there's less games, of course, which could be nice at times, but in basketball, when they're being what, 42 games, you know, there's so, so many at home that, you know, you have a little bit more flexibility to be able to be like, Ooh, maybe that color wasn't right. Or let's try this, or you can change a brand initiative, or if you want to swap something halfway through the season. So game days are absolutely crazy, but they're fun. They're insightful because you can be with your client and you can see what they liked, what they didn't like, what we need to change, what we don't. Um, and at the end of the day, you kind of just hope that you're like looking up at the scoreboard and you're like, how are we doing? Are we winning? <laughs> That's kind of basically, basically it. So it's hectic, but it's incredible and it's fulfilling. And it should remind you if you are working in sports, a game day should remind you of why you're doing it. It's an interesting point about the volume of games compared to other sports because, as you rightly pointed out, it does allow you to actually apply learnings during the season as opposed to just keeping a list of all the things that we think we can do better and we'll have a conversation about it post-season. So I think that's a really important uh, point to bring up there. I wanted to circle back around to the internal relationships at the heat and the culture. You're in activation. It's not sales, but you don't operate in a silo, clearly. How do you and the sales team work with each other, feed information back and forth so that you don't end up having to activate sponsors that maybe they're not a great fit or maybe you're not really sure how you can deliver what has been promised? I would say the Miami Heat has gotten so much better at this because, you know, in my times and other teams, it was very much a, Hey, we signed this deal, activate it. And they would give you the contract and that would be it. Right. They would wipe their hands clean. I would say at the, at the heat, we work very closely with our marketing strategy team, which makes sure that we do the due diligence in the categories that we are researching the assets that we're pitching. So everything has been aligned internally before that pitch even reaches the client. And I think that that really helps because there's no surprises, right? So you don't come back and say, hey, this deal was done. You are activating XYZ at every single game. And our game operations team is like, what? We can't do that, you know? So everyone works really well together. Everyone works very closely Our marketing strategy team is a huge part of that. They are really that middle point between the marketing side and the corporate side. Um, And I think just interpersonal and interdepartmental relationship building is such a big thing. It's actually, I'm back in school. I'm getting a master's certificate in organizational leadership currently from Northwestern. And it has been the biggest takeaway from schooling so far for me is that interdepartmental and interpersonal relationships in your organization really, really matter. Because if you cannot align 
person to person, how are you going to align from a brand? How are you going to kind of be on the same page about your organization or about the Miami Heat or about who you're pitching? So you have to be able to have that relationship internally to say, let's sit down, let's look at what this, let me come with the company guide or let me come with the company initiatives we know what the heat stands for already and we can align and we can work together to create something that really makes sense. And so absolutely we do not operate in a silo sales activation, marketing strategy, all the departments, even data, as we talked about earlier, has a a huge role. Let's say one of the big things in an upcoming partnership is numbers or integrated technology. We're going to have to work with data to, to figure out a lot of that. So um, absolutely super proud of our team for that because something I, I very much value. I'd have to look it up, who it's attributed to, but it reminds me of that saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And if you can start with a great culture, then people fall in line and the strategy is so much more easy uh, to, to implement. Social media, we spoke about it a little bit before. It's an omnipresent asset in sponsorship these days lots of brands are going to want to activate on social media because there's huge followings particularly with professional sports teams but how do you approach social media in sponsorship especially when you need to consider these internal relationships again what the wider marketing and comms teams at the heat are doing and and other parts of the business are doing on social media because everybody wants a piece of it absolutely and that's that's a wonderful question because i think I think social media, like you mentioned, we just have so many goals. Goals are ever-changing. Channels are ever-changing. But I think leading with what partner goals are is going to be the main takeaway of that. So leading with what the partner goals are, um, an international standpoint. So understanding our platform, we have a small local place. As I mentioned before, we're below 10% local. So we need to align with the Miami Heat first. So that's what they are buying from us. So we speak to our audience because of our marks and logos because of who we are, we are the Miami heat and that's what speaks to our audience. And so the sponsors are buying into that. And that's what we always kind of take away from that. So branded content, anything published with additional brands other than our own, that is what branded content is. So kind of, we, we look at that. So Pepsi, Kia and Baja Mar are some of our partnerships that we are organically integrating the the partnerships with. Um, You know, for example, we hosted our training camp at Baja Mar. Um, So injecting both brands at their location while hosting training camp. So it was something that worked for the partnerships. And we want to make sure that our channels don't look like ads. Our social media channels are for our followers. Miami Heat comes first. And that's been a, a, a big thing with our marketing is making sure that our social media channels don't become just a hub of ads because then we'll lose followers. And that isn't why they're following us. They're following us because we're the Miami Heat. And our partners are partnering with us because we're the Miami Heat. So keeping that mentality is what's made us really successful. What about in terms of talking to others in the organization about when you're allowed to use the social media channels? Because I would imagine that throughout a long, busy season and even post and and pre-season, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the social media calendar, but you can't just be posting 48 things every day. How do you work through a calendar? When we have a partner that needs to have something executed that is a contractual asset, at the beginning of the year, we have what's called a kickoff call. These happen internally with our team. So I will bring 
one of our partnerships, we'll have a kickoff call and we'll go over every single asset that's in the deal. And if it is something like a social media post, we do plan ahead. But first, we really get the brand initiatives of the client first. So let's say, for example, Corona wants to do a Feliz Navidad campaign for their beer, right? We will know that around the time of Christmas, if that's a really big goal of the client, we will need to carve out whether that's a five-day campaign, a seven-day campaign, 10-day campaign, carve out a time to be able to execute that item around the time that they want to do it. We never like to promise exact dates, just like things come up with press releases, things come up with, you know, who knows, anything can happen. Um, but you're absolutely right. It is a hub of craziness because we are scheduling retail. We are scheduling, we have 60 plus partners. So a lot of them do have social media posts, whether it's e-newsletter campaigns, whether it's branded content campaigns. So we have a lot of different things going on. I would say just communication is the, the most important thing over communicating. I know um, since COVID, there's been a lot of different hubs of communications. We have email, we have teams, which has like instant message. And we obviously can just text each other. There's so many different forms of communication, but as long as we over communicate with our team, make sure that they have all the information ahead of time. It's on the social team to schedule out accordingly and make sure that everything gets executed. But, you know, we like to make it as easy as possible on them. Jessica, speaking to you pre-recording, when we had a little bit of a chat a couple of weeks ago, I could instantly tell that you're somebody with lots of ideas and passion and enthusiasm. And I'm sure that the listeners have picked up on that as well by now. In large organizations like The Heat, Jessica can't just run around and get on with it and, and, and implement her ideas and just see how it works out. You have to work with others, and we've spoken about this a, a, a fair amount. I'm interested in how you go about positioning a, a crazy new idea or, or, or something that you've been thinking about and, and ultimately getting people on board, taking them on a journey, especially internally because there's resources that need to go into ideas. I think transparency is the biggest thing because – when a team has something that they want to they want to communicate, a lot of the times people won't speak up because they're scared of what other people will say. And I think that if you create a safe space, whether it's in a meeting, you know, I would say start off with a meeting of of your peers. So I'm in the partnership marketing department. We have partnership marketing meetings biweekly. If there's something new that I want to bring up, I may bring that up to my direct boss one on one in our one on one weekly meetings. And if they think it's a good idea, then I can bring it you know, out loud to our partnership marketing meeting. And then one step further, which is our corporate partnership meeting, right? That it includes sales, things like that. But I think transparency is the biggest thing because if you feel like someone's hiding something or you feel like someone isn't communicating right, things can kind of be like, well, why are they hiding that? Or why isn't that? And I think that if you just start from the beginning and you're transparent, open communication, hey, I have this idea, you know, let's kind of talk through that. But I think from the other side being reciprocated, in an honest kind of, I, I trust the person I'm talking to, so I'm going to feel like I can speak. So I personally like to foster that out and then hope that I get that received. So if I have a new idea, I talk to my team because I trust my team and we've built those relationships, you know, from the, from the ground up over the last almost three years of being here. And so I think that that's really big from leadership from the top down is just transparency and open communication. And listen, if it's a bad idea, it's a bad idea. And then you don't execute it or you execute it. And if it fails, that's okay. But you have to foster that environment of 
a failure is not a failure if you need to try. And I think that that is something that if it's like, I have this crazy idea, here's how I would execute it, right? Coming prepared and then just having the trust with your team to be able to kind of talk about it with them. With those new ideas, let's say you take one to your boss one-on-one in one of those weekly meetings. They say, no, Jessica, we don't think that's a, a good idea. Are you somebody who takes it well and just gets back into it and gets on with the job or, or do you get really disappointed and kick stones a little bit? <laughs> you know, I, I personally have worked really hard at taking constructive criticism in a learning opportunity. Um, I'm an, I'm, I'm an only child with, from my two parents. So I was always, um, I'm a words of affirmation, love language girl. So 100% people always telling me how good of a job I'm doing, things like that. That is my love language. I love words of affirmation. I also needed to learn and teach myself how to take constructive criticism or no, you know, that isn't a good idea. We're not going to do that. But I think that it's also about delivery. So as I'm learning leadership myself, it's not about saying, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I think it's about saying, I love your creativity. Thank you for bringing this to the table. I'm not sure the way that you're talking about executing this, it would work or it would be effective, but let's take a step back and let's take that core idea and let's see how we can effectively execute this or how we can work together with another team to get this done. Or if it's, maybe it's a good idea, but it can't be done because of budget or something like that this year. Then you say like, I'm going to include this with budgets next year. I really like this idea. Please keep this on my radar and gut check me and follow up with me in six months. So I think that it's all about, it's not just saying no, it's about saying like, maybe it's a not right now or unless it's a horrible idea. <laughs> but then, you know, hopefully my gauge of, of good ideas is, uh, is, not, is not too far off. But yeah, I think just really being able to trust your team, be transparent, communicate, and take constructive criticism because you're not always going to have good ideas, but it's being able to be um, strong enough to share them and confident enough in, in your knowledge, right? Grow in your knowledge. And of course, if you've got a great team, you can take a a half-baked idea that you think might have some life and they, they can give it some air and, and help build on it. And then maybe you do have an amazing idea, right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I mean, I'm getting married next March. And so I brought my cake tasting to the office. Like we had so much leftover cake and I brought my cake to the office. I'm like, I want everyone's full transparent like opinion on this. And everyone was like, I'm going to try this one. They're like, well, about this. And it's like, it's something so silly, but like when you really grow as a team and you have a very strong foundation, it's something so silly, but it's fun. And I trust them. And I think it made us even closer, right? Because it's like, I'm valuing something that's so important to me, like a wedding cake on them. And they see that and they value that. Um, so again, just like kind of a silly example, but something as much as that, I think it's able, if I'm able to bring my wedding cake to the office and say like, try this and let me know your opinion. It's like, well, I can bring an idea and be like, this is crazy, but what if we did this? And I don't feel ashamed. I don't feel like they're going to roll their eyes and judge me like, oh my God, Jessica's this or Jessica's that. No, it's, it's like, wow, that sucked, but we love you anyway, you know? So <laughs> absolutely super lucky to have this team. You mentioned your study early on. I just wanted to talk about that again for a second. I'm starting to really dislike referencing COVID in the show because it feels a bit sort of samey and, and, and lazy to keep bringing it up. But during COVID, you decided to take on some study. And as we've heard, you're doing some more study now. You've clearly had a lot of success and I know you are held in high regard at the heat. So why do you need to push yourself more and do more study? It's all a personal goal, Daniel. I 
hate complacency. Hate is a very strong word. So I can actually use that for this. I very strongly dislike complacency. I think that if you're not growing as a person, whether that is wanting to go to the gym, whether that is wanting to run a marathon, whether that's going back to school, you have to do things that are going to grow you as an individual. So in sponsorship, in this job, working in sports, it is something different every single day, but it can cut any job, any career you can kind of get tied up in. And so going back to school has always been a personal goal for me. Continuing my education is a pillar in my life, right? We have a foundation, continued education is a pillar. And going back to school during COVID, I had an opportunity and I was able to get a full ride through a school called Quantic. They're based out of Washington, D.C., but they are it's a worldwide accredited school. It's an online based MBA. And it was still relatively new at the time, but I was able to get a full ride, go back to school, get my MBA for free. And it was an incredible uh, class. I absolutely loved the program. And now I was able to come utilize everything I learned in my MBA here at the Heat. So I did that in between University of Miami and the Miami Heat. There was kind of that COVID time in the 2020, 2021, even it, it kind of kept going, unfortunately. And so I really just tried to take that time that I know was really difficult on on so, so many people. And I use that for my own personal growth. And then, you know, I graduated July of 2021. I started um, in 2020, graduated July of 2021 with my MBA. And just recently, last November, I applied to get a master's certificate from Northwestern in organizational leadership because as I continue to learn and develop, I want to pursue what I'm passionate about, which is leadership, whether it's strategic leadership, organizational leadership, just really figuring out how to be the best version of myself for others. Because, you know, I I, I don't know if I mentioned earlier in the, the conversation, I am a Christian and I do believe in spirituality. I do believe in God. And I think that whether that you know, is appropriate to come to work or not with me, I think internally knowing that and always wanting to be a better person helps me strive to be a better leader for my team, for my organization, and for my clients as well. Because if I have their best interests at heart, and I want them to succeed as much as I want myself to succeed or my teammates to succeed, that's what's really going to cultivate that true organic integration, no matter what. I love how you've you push yourself, you've gone back and done more study. It reminds me of when I went back to uni and I did a Master of Marketing. I finished back in 2009. I actually found it easier to go back and do the study than when I first left school and went to university because I had some context, I had some experience in the business world. Do you find it easier with age and experience the study now or is it just as hard? Absolutely. No, I think it's definitely easier. I think that your goals and objectives also change, right? So I'm like I mentioned, I'm getting married. And so you start to have this goal of like, if not now, when, but also the context and the experience, like you mentioned from your career, you know, I now hear the stories that the professors are telling or the lessons that we're learning or the books that we're reading. And I'm like, oh, I've experienced this, or I've gone through this, or, you know, there's, there's a new book. So one of the books that I've read most recent is 10 Signs of a Leadership Crash by Stephen Mansfield. And I had the pleasure of being able to see him live talk last week. And he talked about the book and he gave examples of the book. And as I was sitting there, I had the same thoughts that you just mentioned, which was basically like, I've seen some of these things either happen or signs of them happening. And it allowed me to feel just more 
um, in tuned, I guess, with the with the content. And when a professor is talking to you and you're 18 years old and you don't have any work experience, you know, and I'm in sport law at Florida State with my professor that is being really hard on me or I have to learn a case that I know nothing about IP law. But now that I've worked in IP law and I have our intellectual marks, you know, property marks that I'm taking care of, like the Miami Heat, making sure that our partners are using them right. Now I understand. Now I can tie things back to that 2011, 2012 time. And going back to school 100%, I, I think it's easier now. I I don't want to be so bold to say that I would love to do a PhD. I do want to do a PhD. I think I would love to find like the right program and need to do it at the right time. But I definitely think going back and getting all these certs and getting all these degrees, it makes me feel good. I know that I'm learning and gaining knowledge and then I'm able to give it back. So absolutely easier to do it now. Jessica, it's been a great chat. If people want to get in touch, connect with you, find out more about what the Miami Heat is doing, what they're up to in the sponsorship space, what can they do? Where can they go? LinkedIn is going to be your best friend for this. I absolutely love LinkedIn. I'm very, very active on it. So please reach out. Um, to me on LinkedIn, you can kind of see everything I've done, all the background. If anyone wants to get in touch, you can write me like a direct message on LinkedIn. I'll be sure to reach out. Um, absolutely love LinkedIn as a, as a platform for professional networking. Outstanding. Jessica Guymeyer, Senior Manager, Corporate Partnership Marketing. Thank you so much for taking us inside sponsorship at the Miami Heat. Thank you so much, Daniel. It's been an absolute pleasure. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed that chat with Jessica. I love how She's not one to rest on her laurels and keeps pushing to make herself better and better. And that chat was packed with lots of great advice, especially for those who are early on in their career or maybe looking to push themselves to bigger and better things in the industry. You can connect with Jessica on LinkedIn. Just search for Jessica Geimeyer. That's G-E-Y-M-A-Y-R. And of course, you can follow Miami Heat at mba.com forward slash heat. Finally, please don't let me be sad on the next episode with no shout-outs to give. If you'd like a shout-out, connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston, that's O-Y-S-T-O-N, and say hi, let me know what you're up to, what's going on in your part of the world, and I will sort a shout-out for you. That's a wrap for episode 123. Until next time, I'm Daniel Oyston. Thanks for listening to Inside Sponsorship. Thanks for listening to the show. For more episodes and to subscribe to the show, search for Inside Sponsorship on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Also, for more free industry-specific resources, including blogs, ebooks, white papers, and our Insights newsletter, head to coresoftware.com. Finally, be sure to follow Core Software on Twitter and LinkedIn. <laughs>